There you go. The time going on for 25 minutes to 9 on your favourite Catholic radio station, Radio Veritas. And now it's my pleasure and privilege to speak to an old friend of mine whom I knew years and years ago when he was starting off in life, going to university, becoming a well-known and a very famous man, Peter Sadie. Good morning, Peter. Good morning, Father Emil. How are you? I'm very, very well, thank you, but very, very sad at the sudden death of our good friend, Chris Langefeld. Yes. I'm sure that uh, you at Imsimbi must be shattered by this. Yes, we are. Yeah. But we also know that we were all blessed to know an angel. Yes. And that for the time that he walked with us, right. we are really thankful to God for the all gift right. of our brother, Chris. All right. Okay, Peter, look, let's, you know, I, I thought let's talk to you about him because, I mean, you lo- worked very closely. Give us a little bit of a rundown of his life because, I mean, he was somebody very well known to many people and taught many priests, in fact, as well. Correct. Uh, I'd like to start off with his birth in 1951, right. where he was born into a Dutch immigrant family. We had settled in South Africa shortly after World War II. Right. And they lived in Robertsham. Uh, and as you know from that period of South African history, the big conflict was between English and Afrikaners. And he somehow was teased a lot as a caste cop because of his Dutch origin. Yes. <laughs> and yes. then he went to La Rochelle Convent as a little boy, and later on at high school he was at St. Benedict. And one of the things that stuck with Chris from his childhood was he really took a strong stand against bullying. He always identified with people who were weaker, the underdog, uh, and that, that became very important later on in his development politically. Yeah. But while he was at school, he, was, he felt a calling, and actually he felt a calling to be a brother. Uh, but he was persuaded to a period of uh, discernment to become a priest of the Oblates of Mary Immaculate. Right. And studied in Rome at the Gregorian University, and was invited to stay on because he was doing so well in his studies. Right. A highly intelligent person was Chris. But he loved South Africa, and he was very keen to return. And, and he came and lectured at Sadara, you know, from the 70s into the 80s, um, especially in theology. Um, and, you know, one of the things about Chris is he loved reading. Yeah. <laughs> right up until the end, he was still learning. He was somebody who really believed in lifelong learning. Yes. He never wanted to stop learning. Sure. And uh, somebody told me he spoke several languages. Yes. In fact, he, um, he, as a priest, he studied, uh, he spent a period of time in the Sutu and lived really amongst poor people in, in the Sutu where he learned to speak the Sutu fluently. Wow. Um, and then. That really helped him a lot when he got his first posting in Piri, yeah. in Soweto. And if you know Piri, it's a poor part of Soweto. Right. And through the 80s, when the struggle was at its peak and things were really tough, mm. he was highly committed to building small Christian communities in his parish. And he also gave sanctuary to people who were on the run from the police at the time. Mm. And many people were afraid to bury some of the comrades who had been killed. He was always at the funeral. And I think the key thing that people misunderstand about Chris, he was first and foremost a Christian. That was his name. And he saw Jesus in the face of the poor. 
Right. So for him, it was quite a natural thing to take an option for and with the poor. Right. And he was committed to serving the poor throughout his life. Right. And, and so you, he spoke Susutu, you say, but did he not speak any other languages? Uh, a little bit of Zulu as well, but right. he was more fluent in Susutu. Yeah. Um, he, he also later on was chaplain to the YCS and the YCW, right. and he had a great belief in the Sea Judge Act method because okay. um, it, it integrated life with faith. Right. And he really felt that that was an, a key part of what it meant to be a Christian in South Africa. Mm-hmm. We needed to find out what did the challenges we faced in our lives, what did our faith have to say about that, right. and how could we actually act on our faith in a much more integrated way. Right, yes. So, all right, so he, he, he spoke Susutu very well, you said, and I'm sure he also spoke Italian if he was studying in Italy. Oh, uh, yes, he did, he did speak Italian, you're right. <laughs> yes, yes, I suppose. He, he actually was very good with languages, Chris. And of course, he's, he's a mother tongue of Dutch, he spoke fluently. Yes. Um, but the, the, another important part of his life was the writing of the Kairos document with people like Albert Nolan and Frank Chikani and many others. Yes. Um, and that was a kind of turning point in South Africa in the mid 80s, where uh, it was a call to the church, really, to take sides with the poor. Right. in our country. And, and I think the Kairos document definitely helped a lot of us to see clearly what was going on and why we needed to uh, take sides in that struggle. And, and did he have a hand in the Kairos document, you think? Yes, you know, he definitely he was part of one of the authors of the Kairos document okay. with, with the collective, uh, you know, through the Institute of Contextual Theology at the time. Right. So, the next, the yes. next phase of his life, Emil, I think is actually very important too because it, it shows some of the tensions and the contradictions that we face as human beings. And one thing about Chris, he was a very human person. Right. So he was surprised by love when his mom was actually very sick. And one of the parishioners at Robertson, uh, Barbara, Barbara, was looking after his mom and he, he felt he, he was really uh, in love with Barbara. And it was not an easy choice for him as a priest. I want to emphasize that. And he went to the U.S. to discern what was God calling him to be. And while he was away during that uh, two-year period, actually, Barbara and her husband were divorced, and Chris knew in his heart that he needed to be married to Barbara. And a happier couple I have yet to meet. You know, they loved each other, and every day was a gift. Uh, for women, yeah. because they, they cared so much for each other. And uh, I must say, we really, as much as we're going to miss Chris, <clears throat> I know Barbara and her family are going to miss Chris very deeply. Right. Because, although he wasn't accepted initially by Barbara's children, right. they grew to love him. Right. And he quietly cared for each of them. The, I think Bruce, her son, the resident psychologist here. <laughs> I see. But I must say, Chris had a special love for Joshua, right. uh, Nikki's son. And he experienced the joy of fatherhood, even though he was Joshua's uncle. Yeah. Uh, he really loved Joshua and, and brought him up from being a little baby yeah. up until he today a strong young man at 16. Okay, all right. So, so, so he went to the States for a couple of years. Eventually, he married Barbara. And, and then what did he do? 
So later on, when he came, when after he got married, I mean, it's a really tough thing as a priest yeah. if you leave your order, yeah. you have nothing, and that was in his mid forties. Yeah. And he started off working in the Department of Land Affairs, assisting in the redistribution of land claims. Yeah. And then he worked also for a while in another organisation, legal wise. And then eleven years ago, we started uh, in Simbi, and he was one of the founding directors of Simbi where we help train people in their skill development that will help them to grow in their career. But the thing about Chris, he remained a priest for me because in all the training he did with people, he always taught people to reflect on their lives, to reflect on their experience, to discover what their faith was calling them to be. Mm-hmm. I mean, just as an example, he trained a group of people in Andrina uh, at the beginning of the year, and a number of them could not pass their assignments because their literacy skills were so weak. So he went back to Hendrina last week because he wanted to help them to pass. Right. He just loved helping people, Chris. He couldn't help himself. Barbara yeah. says he was one of the few people she knows who on a Monday morning just looked forward to going to work because he loved the work he was doing so much. Mm. I didn't realize he was one of the founding members of Imsimbi. Yes, yes. Definitely. He was there right at the beginning in nineteen eighty uh, in two thousand and six. Wow. <laughs> well, of course of course all of us were ex YCS members and we had all known Chris since we were in our youth. And That's that was right. another joy, you know, that he, he was our priest and then he was our partner and definitely was the father of Incindy actually. Okay. He, a lot of the staff are heartbroken or so sad when we shared the news with them. Yeah. Um and, you know, one thing I would say about Chris, uh, which I think people need to know, is that in his heart, I think he remained a Catholic. It was a painful thing for him that he couldn't continue his ministry after he, he got married. Right. But he was welcomed into the Anglican community where he preached regularly. Yeah. And let me say one thing. Chris had a gift of preaching. Yeah. Um, he, he preached at St. Michael in the Alpha Park. And he'll be buried from that church on Friday at 10 o'clock, uh, this coming Friday. Right. And, and, and you know, for, for me, it's a, it's a gift that he was able to continue his ministry because he certainly was called by God and he needed to continue his service to God. Mm. And he wasn't able to do that as a Catholic. I'm so happy that he was able to do it as an Anglican. Yes, 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 yes. And, for me, yeah. for me, he'll always be a priest. Yeah. And the reason why I say that is because he served people with a joy similar to St. Francis. He just loved people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And the other interesting thing, he was never laicized. Although he applied when he got married to be laicized, yeah. many who had left the priesthood after him were laicized, mm-hmm. but he, his application was never passed. And yeah. for me, that's symbolic that he remained a priest. Okay, so he, so even though he applied, it was never he was never laicized. He was never laicized. Mm. He tried repeatedly, but it never went through. I wonder why. That's very interesting. Very interesting. Yes, I think God wanted him to remain a priest. My <laughs> yes, there you go. All right, now listen. So, so his passing last Friday was was very sudden. Did you have any inkling that he was sick? No, not at all. Uh, it. it I'm not sure exactly of the details, but it sounds like it was a clot uh, and it caused an embolism. Yeah. Um, Barbara was at home with him on Thursday evening, in fact, 
And, um, you know, they were uh, just relaxing and enjoying each other's company. And, um, you know, suddenly he fell back. And um, she said, although they gave him mouth to mouth, she felt that he had died at that moment when um, the, the, the clock probably reached the brain. Right. And he had an Oh, my goodness. And do you feel he was ready for that moment? Oh, oh definitely. Look, yeah. I must say, for, from Barbara and Chris's side, I feel very sad because it's such a, you'll never, it's impossible to fill the gap of somebody like Chris in your life. Yeah. yeah he's a one-of-a-kind person. Mm. Who, you know, you can't replace in any kind of way. That's right. But Barbara did say the joy of being married to Chris for 19 years was a wonderful gift. And she really enjoyed every day with him. Right. And he did too. He really enjoyed that time. And I think he was certainly ready to, to be reunited with, with God. And that's the reality. We're all going home one day. Yes. And God just chose to bring Chris home a little bit earlier. The mm. sad part, he was going to retire <laughs> at the end of this year. Oh, and shame. It would have been lovely for him and Barbara to have had some time. Right. Just to travel the country and to... Have, have the space to really relax together. Tell me, Peter, um, does this leave uh, Imsimbi in tatters now, or do you think uh, he left things in good order? I know, no. Chris was the kind of person who focused on empowering the people around him. Right. And I must say, you know, of course, uh, there will be a gap, uh, but he was in the process of passing on his skills to younger people in the company. Right. Um, and he was responsible, actually, for writing all the material because he, his love of reading meant that he was highly uh, ed, you know, educated as well as able to link up mm. the challenges that people in the workplace today are expecting with what the latest understanding in, in, you know, in emotional intelligence in all kinds of areas yes. that he, he contributed to. So now I think, of course... Staff are very sad, and, and we wouldn't uh, uh, want to, in any way, not recognise the contribution of Chris to yeah. I think it was fundamental. Yeah. But uh, I think he, he helped to empower the people around him, and so yeah. in that way, what the good work he began will be continued. What would you say would be your fondest memories of Chris? I, we spoke to lots of things. I mean, you, you had a high admiration of this man. and uh, But maybe some things stand out in your mind. Yes, well, <laughs> you know, when I was a young student, uh, I'd also been thinking about the priesthood. And uh, a person like Chris was a, definitely a strong role model for me because of his option for the poor and with the poor. He lived in Piri, he lived with the community. And in fact, I did my own uh, research by uh, sitting in with Chris, visiting some of the small Christian communities he worked with, um, and seeing how he was able to actually cross over, you know, in terms of his own childhood as a white male growing up in uh, Robertson, to being able to actually Trans, uh, you know, cross over to a black community where he learned the language, where he loved the people, where he served the people as a priest. It was definitely an inspiration to many of us who were in YCS at the time. Mm, 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 mm. Well, there it is. A great, a great man, a great friend. And I'm sure there are many oblate priests who look back with great appreciation to what they learned from him. You know, one of the things I must say, Emily, is that Chris never stopped praying. 
Mm-hmm. He was a great believer in prayer, and every morning at Mishindi, he would start off his classes with meditation. He would read the scriptures. He, he was somebody who, who just loved Jesus right. and, and tried his best to follow Jesus. He wasn't mm-hmm. by no means a perfect person. <laughs> he was yeah. very upset if anybody criticized his training. <laughs> <laughs> he was very human in that way, but he was such a loving man, yes. such a loving man. Yes. I know he was also part of the contemplative book club that Father Albert started. Yes, yes, he, he, he would certainly make that a priority in his life because he loved Father Albert. Mm. He, he, um, and he, he felt there's the need to continue grappling with the realities that the world is throwing up. And in that way, reading, you know, what were the most recent theological inputs Mm. And, and from that, reflecting a little bit on how it changed and challenged our perspective. Yeah. He was somebody who was very open to young people yeah. and to listening to what kind of uh, challenges they were facing and how, right. things, how we needed as older people to adapt our perspective yeah. and to see what God was saying to us through young people. Mm. Peter, I'm talking to Peter Sadie about the late Chris Langefeld, who died on Friday last week. You on know, Thursday, I the Thursday, more you know, what did I say? He died on Thursday night. Oh, Thursday night. I beg your pardon. Thursday. Uh, you know, one of the things I on, knew. On Chris, All Souls Day, and I think that's that's a significant thing. On All Souls Day, on all souls God day. called him back. Absolutely, there it is. Yes. Well, you know, Peter, when when I hear you talking about Chris like this, I mean, I knew Chris for many years, but I never knew him as closely and intimately as you knew him. Uh, and when I hear you speaking about him now, I say to myself, wow, why didn't I get to know this man better? And uh, he seems to have been such a gift, such a gift to so many people, uh, to his Oblet brothers and to the people with whom he lived and worked. So I want to thank you very, very much just for holding his hand, working with him for so many years in, in helping people, very especially the poor. And I think surely you appreciate this too and that it's been a privilege for you to be so closely associated with this great man, Chris Langefeld. I think God sends us angels, uh, and I think the important thing we need to do is to be open to listening and learning from all the angels God sends us. And certainly Chris was uh, a very, very uh, good messenger of God. Well, there we go. Peter, you know, time is against us. Anything more you want to share with us? I mean, you really, I'm so glad you opened your heart and shared with us so deeply about Chris. Anything more you'd like to say? Yes, I, I think those people who had known Chris are very welcome to join us on Friday morning at St. Michael's Anglican Church in Belfast and Park. The service, the actual service will begin at 11 o'clock, but eulogy will begin at 10 o'clock because there are many uh, friends of Chris over the years who would like to have something to say before the service actually begins. Okay. Words of well. All right. If there are any uh, fellow priests, colleagues, uh, friends who want to say goodbye to Chris, this would be a wonderful opportunity to send him off um, in a good spirit. Well, that's on Friday morning, then starting at, at 10 o'clock at the church. Where is it again? Welterfrieden Park. St. Michael Anglican Church in Welterfrieden Park. Very good. Well, 
Peter, thank you so much indeed for giving us time and for sharing with us about this great man, Chris Langefeld. He'll certainly be very, very missed, very much missed by um, people at Imsimbi, but also by people like myself and Albert and others who knew him for so many, many years, who had a really important part, challenging part, to play in the, in the new dispensation in our country. I shall always remember him as a very caring, loving person. Thank you very much for the opportunity, Emil. Thank you very much indeed, Peter. Go well. Bye-bye. God bless you. Thank you so much. Our sympathies to Barbara. Yes, we will pass that on. Thank, Thank you. you very much indeed. Right, the time, five minutes to nine on Radio Veritas. That was Peter Sadie, whom I've known since he was at school, <laughs> talking about another person that we've known for many years, Chris Langefeld, who was a Catholic priest at one stage, and uh, he suddenly died on Thursday evening of an embolism. So let's keep him in our prayers and ask the Lord to show him love, mercy, and to welcome him into that place specially prepared for him.